Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. This is The Athletic Baseball Show on The Athletic Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the 3-0 show with your hosts today, uh, Eno Saris and Britt Giroli. Uh, we are missing, uh, sadly, uh, our host, Derek Van Riper. And so today, I hope uh, that you can look past any foibles that your, that your host might <laughs> put upon you. I may not have as uh, good a grasp on the show as Derek does. Uh, please come back soon Derek <laughs> <laughs> on the brighter note nobody wrote the rundown that we forgot to read this week that's so, right so, that so we're even more seat of the pants than usual uh <laughs> but uh you know what I, I thought we'd just start with uh the, that no-no last night because I got I had one of those group chat moments um you know where uh, somebody was like, can you have to put on the, the, the angels game and like Rendon just hit from the, from the left side, uh, you know, the right-handed hitter hit a home run. Uh, I didn't even know it was a no, no. I, I was looking at that. I was, you know, pitcher, a position player pitching all that. Uh, did you, did you have like a, a chat moment? Did you jump on that, that game when you're, uh, that, that was so crazy last night? I think the angels won like 12 to nothing. Yeah, I got an alert, and for those who aren't aware, as Eno said, the Angels did win 12 to nothing. Um, 22-year-old uh, Angels starter Reed Detmers uh, recorded a no-hitter in his 11th big league start against the Tampa Bay Rays. So I got an alert, I think maybe in the 6th or 7th inning, that it was in progress. And I'm, first off, I'm like, who? Because <laughs> this guy isn't pitching very much. Um, and second, I don't know how you felt about this, Eno, but usually a lot of times with no-hitters, it's like, a really, really bad team. So I was like, is this really going to happen? Like the Rays are pesky. They're not a formidable offense by any means, but they're pesky, right? And you're like, okay, someone's going to poke one in. Someone's going to find a hole. Um, That was when I turned the game on and got really into it. So I didn't have the group chat moment that you did. Um, (laughs) I was really not sure it was going to happen. I don't know if you felt, did you feel more certain towards the end? Um, I was not sure it was going to happen. And I think Anthony Rendon hitting a home run in his first appearance from the left-handed side was almost <laughs> as impressive, if not more impressive, when you think about how hard it is to hit at the big leagues, to now hit from the other side. I don't know. It might have been just as impressive as the no-no. Yeah, the, I think the Rays' offense is really interesting because they're kind of like this mix-and-match offense where maybe, uh, you know, maybe they're not as good against righties, uh, but, you know, and they're also kind of strike out a lot. So if you account for the trop, which is a tough park to hit in, and you kind of adjust for parks, they're a top five offense this year. Um, But they also are striking out at a rate that only, let's see here, uh, about 10 teams uh, are striking out more than the Rays. So I think that's something that Detmers used to his, advantage uh 
Um, you know, I, I think that he has really good secondaries and he that's what like sort of allowed him to turn the lineup over uh, so many times. Good, good second two secondary pitches, not just an all fastball guy um, and good command. So, you know, those things worked in his favor. It is interesting to me, though, sometimes that like, you know, the list of players that have no hitters, it's not like the list of the best pitchers in the game. <laughs> you know? no. It's like it's it's a strange thing where I you know I I've seen there were some there were some no hitters with like six walks. You know? That's the, that's an Edwin Jackson special. That's the Edwin Jackson special, yeah. right? Yes, you're right. And, but it, yeah, you're right. It, it is interesting though, as you mentioned. But he only had two strikeouts, which I guess is what made him so efficient, right? Because if you're yeah. a high strikeout guy, you're a high pitch count guy. That's lot. right. And that's why you get, you get pulled early and, and they would talk about how, you know, as a young guy, you're just not, you're not, uh, you're not there for 120 pitches or 130 pitches. So how many pitches do you throw? Uh, 108. So it was never really like a discussion. You do you know, know do you know that no qualified starting pitcher this year is averaging a hundred pitches per start? Wow. No, I didn't. That is a very interesting, I mean, before this start, this guy had topped out at six innings with the Angels last year mm-hmm. um, and five this season. So if he wasn't efficient, this was going to be like a Clayton Kershaw moment, right? Where they pulled him with a no-hitter. 100%. I think he had, don't you think if he had 100 pitches in the seventh inning, we would never have seen this? Yeah. I mean, it could be it could be a blueprint in, in some ways for uh, for making it work. Uh, you know, the, the Rays uh, have the seventh uh, largest ground ball rate. So you kind of uh, get those grounders uh, and, and move the lineup along. But uh, I just love the, the text I got. It's just like full of, you know, exclamation points and uh, and, you know, uh typos <laughs> like he wrote tendon of course instead of rendon uh but uh it was such a great moment and uh another you know it was kind of a bookend for me uh because um you know that uh that gave me a, a sort of a, a great feeling and then you know today i think you you published uh an amazing feel good story that um you know between the news that my mom is uh is sending me a box of beer Hi, mom. Thanks for the beer. I'm excited for it. Uh, and this like crazy no hitter. Um, you know, your story about Frank Lopez was just really uh, uplifting. Um, and, you know, we do do so much reporting on on negative aspects and you, you, you've broken uh, some big stories that, um, you know, don't have a, a happy ending, in other words. Um, and, and this one just seemed like uh, I was just like, yes, like, you know, I need more of this in my life. And uh, so you could just tell us a little bit about about Frank Lopez and, and what he's had to overcome to uh, to even, you know, throw a bullpen uh, this year for the Guardians. Yeah. So, as you said, I feel like we sometimes are the bearers of bad news. So it was so nice to uh, have a positive story that had a happy ending. Uh, I have a friend in the Guardians organization that had told me about him. Um, it was in the depths of the lockdown, um, the lockout rather, when I was just kind of bored looking for stories and texting people I knew in various teams. And they gave me this. They were like, well, we have a guy, his name's Frank Lopez. He almost died in an accident on the lake last year. And now he's throwing bullpens. And I was like, wait, what? Tell me more. You know, yeah. like, this is this is crazy. Uh, and then the more you uncovered the layers of this, like it was multiple surgeries. It was screws in his head. It was a 50 pound weight loss. This wasn't just like a 
hey, my this had happened to a kid who's not a prospect. If you're listening to this and you're trying to Google Frank Lopez, it's not the guy who comes up on baseball reference. This is a young 19-year-old lefty Doesn't that have has an inning, not right? pitched. Yes, yeah. has not pitched at any level because when he signed, it was right before COVID. It was like March of 2020. There was no minor league season in 2020. Um, and so he hasn't had the opportunity to. That was when this accident happened. He's been rehabbing um, since really the, the spring of 2020. And so he doesn't throw super hard. He's not a top prospect, but he just has this story that I think we can all resonate with, right? Like of resilience, you know, yeah. you, you talk to him and you, or you read that story and you're like, okay, I'll take my problems back. Right. It's so that old <laughs> adage, I'll throw our problems in a pile. You would take yours back real quick. Yeah. Right? Um, I mean, I just can't imagine, you know, being in a foreign country. It's the first time he came to the U S Cleveland paid for him to come to the Cleveland clinic. You know, he's sitting in his bed with screws in his head. He doesn't understand the language. He can't eat without pain. He can't sleep. He can't move. And the television's on in another language. That to mm. me just sounds like torturous before yeah. he even had this surgery. So there are like so many obstacles that he had to go through. Um, and then to lose that much weight to now be so far behind your teammates, mm. right? Like there's just so much that goes into that mentally, physically, and emotionally to mm. get back to where he is. That I think you read that story and you're like, I got nothing to complain about. Like yeah. life is great over here. You know, that's what's so great about these stories. I think we all, yeah, we all, we all just like kind of get lost in our own problems and our own day to day. <laughs> like the odds are stacked against me. And then you read this story and you're like, okay, no, the odds were actually really stacked against this guy. He was told he was going to die in a hospital in the Dominican yeah. Republic. And whether he ever makes it or not, uh, if he has kids and grandkids and whatever, these are all people that wouldn't exist if he didn't have the fortitude, if he didn't push through, um, yeah. if he didn't make it. And I think that that's just really important to remember. You know, that, that fear, uh, you know, in the in the hospital in the Dominican Republic, that that fear that, you know, he wasn't going to make it and that they didn't really have what they needed uh, to, to help him. Uh, it's something that really resonated with me uh, and, you know, brought me to tears a little bit because uh, I was born in Jamaica and I have this, uh, you know, this, this crazy story. My, my, my mom was, was 30 and she, she couldn't get a midwife because all the midwife said she was too old, uh, too old to have a baby. <laughs> uh, and so she, she like got one midwife to give her 12 hours. And so she waited six hours. And this is exactly the kind of story you need to hear. <laughs> Yes, it is. Seven and a half months pregnant. Let's hear your later yeah. story. <laughs> so sorry, but it is. It's, it is a little Can't bit relevant. Stop now. It's it's relevant relevant to to Frank Lopez at the end, and I'm just sorry you have to hear it. But but there was there there is some relevancy. Just stick with me. Um, and so she had labor for you know six hours before she called the midwife, and then there was twelve hours uh, with the midwife, and then the midwife said it's it's a breach and ran out. It wasn't a breach, but she was like, the time's up. I'm out of here. And uh, so my mom had to get into a taxi uh, to get to the nearest the hospital. And so in Frank's story, you have this like 
you know, it was like a 45 minute ride normally, but they had to take it, you know, two hours or something because they had to go around the potholes. Like they did not go around the potholes for mom. So she's like in labor, they're blasting through the potholes, bang, 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 all the way to, to, to the hospital. They get there. It's 3 AM. There's no doctors there. And so, you know, she's exhausted, can't push anymore. They don't know what to do. And uh, the nurses actually rolled me out. Like they got on top of her and pushed, like pushed for her, like rolled with their bodies to like push me out, uh, which is not something that uh, people do anymore. Uh, but they just weren't, they didn't have a doctor. They, they weren't prepared to give her a C-section. They, they, they you know, they, they wasn't. They weren't just able to do that. It's just that's that was my experience in, in Jamaica sometimes with healthcare was just like, I'm sorry, we don't have that machine. We don't have that ability. We don't have that expertise. We don't we don't you know, we if you would like to pay for it, that'd be great. But like we don't have that. Um, so just those details of the potholes and uh, and how it how it turned out and like just how. The, the guardians had to come in and kind of, you know, they had to do a lot of uh, they, they kind of paid for some stuff and and brought him to, to Cleveland to, to get the surgeries he needed. And I mean, there's I guess there's a little tinge of sadness to that, you know, that like if he didn't play baseball, uh, you know, he he might have had a different ending. Um, but I, I just think that he will be like sort of not to speak for him, but I, but just like the details of like how people feel about him and the people around him, I bet you he's going to be such a, a, such an uplifting person to be around. And if he doesn't make it as a, as a, as a hurler, like I could see him making it as a coach, like as, as you know, cause you it, like, is that true in the story? It sounds like everybody's just like super happy to be around him and like super rooting for him. And everyone's just happy. He's like, he's okay again. Yeah. So many people in the organization are rooting for this guy and you're right. If he doesn't make it, I mean, what's remarkable to me is during this rehab, he learned English fluently. Yeah. You could have a conversation with him. Uh, he graduated high school, uh, the, the equivalent to high school in the Dominican. So, uh, you know, he he really kind of maximized this second chance now, um, which I think is awesome. But you're right. You bring up a great point. And I, I thought kind of reading this, like, man, we don't realize how lucky we are just to have the healthcare aspect and just to have paved roads, like little things you don't realize that if this were to happen to you or I, we'd go to the hospital, we'd get it fixed. This guy went months in the Dominican because they simply couldn't figure out what was wrong, sent him home in a neck brace, and that was that. So, you know, then he goes to the Cleveland Clinic, which is like, you know, the creme de la creme, one of the best hospitals in the country. So it was just such a vast difference. Um, and these are things we take for granted. And I also think we miss, as a sport, uh, a lot of the stories of these young Dominican players simply because of the language barrier. You know, if I didn't have a friend tell me about this guy, there's no way I would have ever crossed paths with Frank Lopez or anyone on Cleveland's Dominican Summer League team. So I do think that, you know, there's so Do you so speak many Spanish? Was that, was that part of the reporting? I do speak Spanish. Um, he had a translator uh, anyway, just because they're so fast. I'm not fast enough but yet. You got some um, details in there that he, he wouldn't have known almost. Um, yes, I did. I did speak to a lot of other people as well. And we've been texting. He texts me in English. I text him in Spanish, you, um, he's, uh, you know, cause he doesn't want to talk Spanish to me cause he's learning English, you know, so we go back and forth, but, um, it is a good reminder that like these guys have such great stories and we shouldn't let the language barrier kind of get in the way of getting mm -hmm. to know these guys. Yeah, I'm definitely, 
I'm working my Duolingo, but I think I need to do better. Duolingo is fine, but it's like it's two minutes a day. It's I, it's not giving me. I've, I've been doing it for like two years, and I I can order a shirt at a store. It's like that's not going to help me talk to these guys about nasty curveballs. <laughs> <laughs> right. We need like a, a baseball for Spanish class that just like really gets into the baseball lingo, right? Because it's totally different than learning very formal Spanish. Yeah. So, you know, well, I. It, there's yeah. a there's this interesting segue here. So like I think that the perfect writer, uh, you know, like if you could smush the two of us together, maybe you get the perfect writer. That's why we collaborate so much. You know, it's like yes. the perfect writer would speak Spanish, would you know be we good at analytics, you know, have good uh, connections in the front office, have good connections with players, go to go to games, go to the you know go to the the clubhouse, you know, have all these sort of features and sort of in one and. Um, it's almost impossible. To, I mean, it's just yeah. too its too much for one brain. <laughs> You're right. We are, we are the super team, though. That is why yeah, we're on podcasts well. and stuff together. Yeah. We have totally different brains, totally different strengths, um, but, hopefully voices, different voices. Yeah, and that's, and that's... Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That's my segue here to uh, another thing we've been thinking about and uh, and like becomes very obvious without Derek here that like there's uh, there's always um, in a broadcast team. Uh, there's always a perfect number is a perfect uh, there's a way to uh, have a sort of cohesion and people have their roles. And uh, so today we're we're doing our best without Derek. And we have a, a we, we, you know, not to be gendered, but we have like a three man booth. We have like a three person booth um here when we're, we're making the show usually um and we've been seeing these different uh you know these different broadcasts uh across the league we've seen apple now youtube um and these these kind of new wave i, I don't think i they haven't had a prime one yet but they're gonna they're gonna have some prime at some point i think i think so and peacock right NBC? and peacock yeah so i i don't know if i've seen like every single one of them i'm sorry if i uh, missed them but i have seen apple i have seen youtube um and you know they are trying new things uh and 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 we're not here to like sort of call out any specific booth for being bad or or you know whatever i uh but you know and then we visit we might visit booths like i i was on with the marlins booth um you know while they were calling a game uh uh, paul severino was so kind to have me on with uh jp aaron cb and him to kind of do a little stat casty uh thing for a couple innings in florida and it just occurred to me that like to me, the I think the perfect booth would have a, a player in it, you know, to have uh, that kind of, um, you know, the, just the on the field experience and also just the sometimes the minutia of like day to day life and just the, the drills, the things that they did and, and a knowledge of the game from from playing it. I think you would have a really good play by play that I'd probably put the 
emphasis on maybe the 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 voice uh you know i think of john miller i love john miller's voice you know yeah like i don't think he always says the right thing a million t- you know i don't think you know whatever maybe he's wrong about things sometimes but like the voice is just uh, just make yes. you, uh, i'm just yeah, like, oh, i just feel it's like gary thorne gary thorne feel, was always terrific yeah. too great i know voice. it's always just like feeling oh, i'm comfortable now i'm good yeah it's good nice thanks thanks john um and uh and then um and then I think, you know, this is what I'm sort of pausing to you that that I think most booths sh- should have like a nerd, <laughs> you know? like a like a like a someone who's like really up to date on the analytics. Um, so I had I wondered if you you had some thoughts about about what your perfect booth looked like. Yeah. So I think and in, in case someone puts this together, this is not, you know, and I trying to ax DVR because we're talking about how three three person booths can be tough um right well i was just advocating for one so you it's your yeah. fault if you say that you don't like three person <laughs> booths i'm gonna tell dvr all about that <laughs> <laughs> um I, I think that they're tough because i think if you don't get the right people there's too much talking mm-hmm. right you need a play-by-play guy that's okay with silence but mm-hmm. you also need the other two people to be okay with silence to be quiet what yeah. i remember growing up watching baseball you know, in the nineties, um, not to date myself, but even early two thousands was listening to the sounds of the game on TV. Mm-hmm. Nothing bothers me more than when I'm watching a game and I can't ever hear the sounds of the game because the announcers are talking every second. And I think we're seeing that more and more as we put more people in the booth, you know, the three people booth, you just have a lot of cooks in the kitchen. Um, I think it can work but you need people that are okay with pauses. There is a, a, a powerful thing when something is happening, like in Detroit, Miguel Cabrera just recently joins the 3000 hit club. I want to hear what that sounds like. Mm-hmm. I, I want to hear the announcer announce it. And then I want him to shut up and I want everyone else to shut up so that I can hear the crowd mm-hmm. so that I can hear what's going on there. And I think we kind of get away from that sometimes when we have inexperience in the booth when we have too many people in the booth uh when we have people who just don't really mesh well together uh that is my biggest issue i'm okay with the former player and the nerd uh and the play-by-play guy mm-hmm. um i also think and i like the idea that a lot of teams have done where they they kind of rotate that third spot like maybe the nerd is 40 games and it's like a regular color analyst for another 40 games and it's another former player um, after that, um, you know, maybe it's a minority. Like I, I like mixing it up that third chair a little bit and keeping those same two, assuming the player's good. This brings me to my second point. <laughs> <laughs> I like, I am pro player. Um, I love players. I've been in clubhouses for 15 years now. Um, my issue though, and I've heard this from a lot of players that are good in the booth is players think just cause they played, they don't have to do the homework on the games, right? Um, they don't have to be in the clubhouses. They don't have to be in the pregame manager interviews. Uh, and they do. There's only so much that your personal playing experience translates into that day's game. You need to be talking to players. You need to be doing your homework. You need to know what's going on on the other side. And I think players are surprised by how much legwork that takes. I think even in the NFL, you see it. Um, I think they are surprised with how much prep work goes into broadcasts Mm -hmm. just because you're Tony Romo doesn't mean 
you can just skate by. You still need to be preparing. So I think the former player angle is great. If the player is into it, if they think they can show up at six o'clock for a seven o'clock game, eat some dinner, schmooze on the field with players, and then just pontificate about when they played, that's not a good broadcast at all, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I, I can think of, you know, some iconic calls where there's long pauses, you know, and 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 sort of uh, allows the the crowd noise to 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 kind of filter through. I, I and I, I think even in sort of suspense building, uh, even if the crowd is not being really loud, uh, suspense building sometimes can be with like a, you know, can be like just a couple words. Right. Because you everyone's watching like, you know, and it might be the difference sometimes between TV and radio with radio. You kind of have to describe what's happening a little bit more. You might have to talk more. Uh, but in TV, I think a lot of times uh, being quiet helps add to the suspense, brings you to the edge of your seat. You know, it's kind of like if you have a TV on in the room and then you kind of hear quiet, like the game goes quiet, like you would, I think you would look over, you know what I mean? Right. Like if you weren't, if you weren't like really looking. So there, there is a cadence there. And then yes, a hundred percent, the best, the best announcers that I've ever seen, the best announcers that, you know, that I've worked with, you know, make it, make, make sure they're in the dugout, at least if they're not in the clubhouse, you know, so that they're around the players, they, you know, they call players over and, you know, they're a little bit older in San Francisco, so they're not as mobile. So, you know, a lot of times they'll be in the dugout, sort of call players over and have little little powwows with them. But they're trying to gather knowledge uh, about the team from all aspects. They'll talk to front office people and 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 team and players and, and just, you know, have something to say other than, you know, well, back in my day. Uh, so I agree with you on that. But I, I still think that, like, um, you know, the, the ideal booth, like if you had well-researched stuff, I mean, what it would take is everyone comes to the table with five, six pages of notes um, and then uses one of them, like, you know, uses like 20% of the notes. Like that's, that's sort of, I remember when I, I, I called a game with Vince Catronio out here, um, you know, for the A's and I had so many notes and, but I was like, I need to let him talk because he's going to, you know, call the game. And so I was just really just, yeah. And you know me, like I want to talk. So it's like, I was just like, shut up, you know, shut up, you know, shut up, you know? Yeah. Oh, this is interesting. I think I have a second. Let me put this one out there. Um, but um, I got a little bit lucky because it was a blowout. And so then almost nobody cares and you can just talk about whatever you want to talk about. But yeah, in an ideal situation, the pacing matters and, uh, and stuff like that. You know, what, how much does the look and feel of a broadcast matter? I mean, there's, there's score bugs that matters a little bit. Sometimes when it's like the score buds, like ugly and eighties style or something, you're just like, come on people, like try a little harder. I liked, you know, on the Apple uh, cast, I think it looks nice. I, I think, are they, I think they're using um, new, like good technology. Like maybe it's 4k or something like there. It looks crisp. It looks really nice. And I think the, the the score bug and everything looks really nice it's weird though because they're also broadcasting information that does not seem correct they're like often talking about this player has like a 42 percent chance of reaching base and i'm like i i don't think that's possible his obp is like 330 it's a zero zero count like what number like what are you looking at here 
And my theory, and this is for the nerds who listen, is that they're overfitting. So this is like sort of a data thing that they're overfitting the data. And basically what I'm saying is that like, they're looking at that person's OBP against right-handers who throw fastball sliders. And what happens is the sample shrinks. And so then they're like, oh yeah, this player has a 420 OBP against, you know, right-handers that, that are all fastball slider. You know, oh, so he was like four for 10 or something. <laughs> you know what I mean, like, so I think there's something happening there with the data because that part doesn't seem right. But uh, how do you like how would you compare and contrast the Apple look and feel to the YouTube one, which is kind of distinctly different? Yeah, I like I agree with you. I like the like clean, crisp interface of Apple. It reminds me of just Apple in general, like Apple stores, right? right? Like everything is <laughs> clean and minimalist. It's not crowded. Uh, mostly about the picture you're looking at. Yes, mostly about the because like here's what I think people don't realize. And this is what I, I think the mistake that people in the, in the booths have when they over talk is. People are turning on the game because they want to watch the game. <laughs> that's no, it's revolutionary. It's what are you talking about? Very, <laughs> very simple, but I think it gets forgotten. No one yeah. is tuning in because they're like, you know what? I want to hear broadcaster X talk for three hours. You are a supplement to the game. Now, broadcasters mm. have great legions of followings, uh, followers. I understand that fans feel like they're in their home every night. They know them. Uh, but at the end of the day, you are turning that game on because you want to see what happens to the players. So anything that takes away or distracts from that is going to make the viewing experience worse. Yeah. So that's why I like Apple for that nice visual, that clean, crisp visual. I have the same issue you do with some of the stats. And because you're so into stats, I think maybe you'll agree with this. I don't know. But I feel like the whole point of stats and analytics and numbers and incorporating them into the broadcast is teaching viewers things they don't know that are relevant to the game, mm -hmm. right? There is no point in overloading the average person with numbers that have nothing to do with, with what's going on. 1,000%. And it seems like, yes, and it seems like that's what's going on with the Apple broadcast with some of the like probability stuff that they're throwing out. Um I think it's a great asset to have someone like you explain numbers and explain stats, but you don't want to get into a 20 minute conversation in the weeds like that. This is not the time for that. Right. And so you just don't do it. There's the, the, the two, the two most complaints that I, that we, we did get some complaints about my Marlins appearance. Uh, the two most complaints were he was talking too much, but I, I, in my defense, I would say I came on for two half innings. So I had to say something while I was there. It was more like an interview. It wasn't like I was in the booth. If I'd been in the yeah. booth the whole nine innings, I would have shut up a lot more and I would have gotten stuff in a little bit, a little bit. Uh, and the other one was uh, they didn't care. And there, there, I did have some, um, there was some like, I was telling a story and then it worked out exactly as I said, like I was talking about um, uh, Avicel's Garcia's uh, first swing on, on first pitch rate. Like he, he's like through the roof. He's one of the most aggressive people on first swing. And then he swung at the first pitch, you know, and I talked about how, you know, you're most likely to get a fastball on first pitches. And so it was relevant to what was in the game, but there were other times where I was talking about stuff and it didn't just, it didn't, it didn't happen to line up immediately. And people were like, why was he talking about that? It wasn't, but that's because I was on for two half innings. I would take what you were saying about stats and take it almost a little bit further. I think the stats are there to tell a story. Like if they don't help tell a story, what you're doing is telling a story about this game. And if they don't help tell the story and they're just tangential or they overload. And I think that way about most of the kind of launch angle exit velocity reports on homers, 
I feel like people are checking a box there and they like they're they're gonna just tell you what the launch angle and exit velocity were and like I think even me as a stat guy I don't care unless you're like oh man he hit that one 115 that's the second hardest hit homer of the year yeah. then then you're like and then you could talk about like let's say Aaron Judge hits hits a homer Stanton Stanton hits a homer and it's like 115 and it's the second hardest hit homer of the year and then you can tell a story about how Stanton is the guy who broke Statcast he's the guy who has hit the all the hardest hit balls in the history of Statcast and how he's there's something so amazing about this guy who's so powerful now you're telling you know you're kind of sure. adding to the the moment you're adding to this big Stantonian, they even call it Stantonian, you know, like the Stantonian moment, you know, by, by sort of giving some context. But if you're, if you're just like, Oh, and that ball was hit 106 in a 32 degree angle. I mean, like I'm a nerd. I'm a, yeah. I'm, I, I'm not into that. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> it's really interesting. Cause you're right. Like have we become too obsessed with like force feeding stats in the broadcast because a generic, exit velo launch launch angle like you said not that interesting what would be more interesting is like every morning that aaron judge has blueberry pancakes he hits a home run that's cool <laughs> that's right? he's like oh he had there. him this morning and, he and also he's not meaningful in a statistical sense but no but i would still i would great. laugh about that it'd be a yeah. funny thing you know? <laughs> like on a broadcast that's a great nugget right like right. people are like holy hell this guy's eating these pancakes whenever he does that he's got a he hits a home run. Like, that's crazy. Like, those are the stuff you can bring to the broadcast that aren't just numbers is just being in that clubhouse. And I do find it interesting that you said, is it harder than we think? Because you're the only one who's been in a booth to not talk. Is, is shutting up the toughest part about being on a broadcast? I think so. I mean, if you've prepared, maybe if you haven't prepared, you're just like, well, I don't have anything to say right now. <laughs> but it, if you prepared, like I had all those pages, I wanted to get that stuff that I'd worked so hard on. And, you know, I, I think that we are generally getting better at these sort of things. Um, and my evidence for this is uh, the nerd cast. So the, the we used to have these uh, alternate casts. I don't know what they were officially called, and I and I don't think Mike Petriello would be mad at me for calling it Nerdcast. But we because we collectively sort of called it the Nerdcast. Mike Petriello was on it um, from uh, MLBAM or MLB.com, um, and Eduardo Perez was on it, and um, they had a couple rotating other people uh, that would do it with him. Um, and uh, that's gone. So you could use that as evidence and be like, oh, it didn't work. And 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 so, you know, we're going the wrong direction or whatever, or, or you may not have liked it. And so you're like, ha ha. The producer of the Nerdcast is now the producer of Sunday Night Baseball. Like they or I don't know if he's the producer, but they they took that producer and folded him in. Eduardo Perez is now on Sunday Night Baseball and David Cohn, who might be the nerdiest athlete that there is, uh, is now on the regular cast. And so and, and uh, you know, I think Mike is even, you know, and, and Bam and, and, and the researchers there are even working to kind of incorporate some of the statistical nuggets and, and some of the background research to, to kind of give that the nerd cast feel. Um, and, and I think that it actually I, I think it changed broadcasting a little bit and, and it'll be one of those things where the flame blew bright and it was only there for a couple of years and some people will never know it existed but i do think it it showed like what i was saying that like you can use these stats to tell a story you have to pick the stats right you have to pick the moment right you have to over prepare and under you know under deliver in terms of like not 
delivering every single thing on that piece of paper that was given to you or that you that you put together. So it is yeah. I'm not I, I'm not I'm not critiquing any one announcer. You know, if, if you're trying to read between the lines and be like, oh, he doesn't like this or this or this. Um, I do like uh, for especially that uh, Apple and uh, YouTube seem to be trying different combinations of people um, and with different backgrounds. Um, and so I think somewhere in this, we're going to come out on the other side with something closer to my ideal booth where we're like, we've got people of different backgrounds. We've got uh, people of different sort of expertises. And uh, they're also adding in the expertise of how to call a game, which is what you're kind of talking about in terms of not talking too much and uh, knowing how to kind of tell relevant stories and, uh, and, and doing your background research. So, you know, I, it, it, this is not probably true from city to city. Someone's listening to this and be like, well, my guys are terrible. <laughs> yeah. oh, oh, well, see, see, in my opinion, David Cohn is the player who does his homework. He's like the pedestal. 100%. He's the player who does his homework. Uh, and we're not going to call out bad boots or people we don't like. No. But I will I will ask you for your favorite booth. Mine is the Mets. I think SNY is head and shoulders above most of the other booths. And they're a three-man booth. So they are a booth that understands when to shut up. And when I think so. to allow the moment to play out and they're not afraid to be critical. Um, do you have a favorite booth? There, there's a, a slight uh, bit. I've listened to that one a fair amount. There's a slight bit of like that John Smoltzian, and I, I don't love what's happening in the game today. Keith sometimes is like, you know, a little bit critical of the game today. And then Ron might get into it too. And then, and it's like, well, okay, but this is the game we've got. And like, you know, like not all of us are pining for the old days. You know, there's a little bit of that and a little, you know, not always a hundred percent on the, on the saber side, but yes, in terms of delivery, how, how they, how they work. And, and, and I, and they know when, like in the eighth inning of a blowout, that's the time when Keith will talk about, you know, almost getting uh, ripped off by, by a con and, yeah. uh, you know, or, or his, you know, his, his pets or, you know what I mean? Like all these yeah. great are they, stories. Are they your favorite too? Or I really or... like, no, I really like their chemistry. I, you know, uh, man, what is my favorite booth? I just, I, I really like Boog. I, I have more like sort of favorite one-offs. I really like Boog and Cone. Like if I could get, uh, Boog and Cone together. I might not even need a third person because they bring enough nerdiness uh, that uh, they can. I like the sound of the voice, and I and I like you know their perspective on stuff. Like I think my perfect booth might be like Boog and Cone, but Boog and Cone. But maybe Eduardo Perez uh, to add sort of uh, he he knows different people. He talks to different people. You know, as you said, sort of there's a kind of half the clubhouse you know that you don't talk to if you don't speak Spanish. So it's like. You know, having Eduardo uh, Cohn and, and Boog, I think, would just be kind of an amazing, uh, amazing group. Uh, I Yeah, I, like I gave a shout out to John Miller. His voice is, I think, really great. Um, I like that booth. This, the Padres booth is interesting because they're um, they rag on each other a lot. And it's a, they're really fun. Yeah, they're kind they're really of fun. fun and like uh, two dudes who are just like, you know, always ragging on each other. I just they've really fun. They're fun. Uh, sometimes you'd be like, I'm not in on this inside joke, but if you are and you watch them a lot, you're like, oh yeah, I know this one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're 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 one of the top boots, I think. They're they're very interesting as well. Somebody I haven't mentioned that you really like. Uh, I think Yes does a pretty good job with their like rotating group, um, especially because they, I mean, they had Cohen for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked Ken Singleton. I know he's not there anymore. Um, I think he did a really good job. I think the the now ex- ex- defunct. 
Gary Thorne, Jim Palmer booth was awesome as well. Mm. Uh, you know, I think Gary Thorne just has that voice that we talked about where you're right. like, okay, I can listen to this guy. And Jim Palmer to me, um, you know, first off, he's a hall of famer. Um, but second, he's not afraid to be critical. I like booths that aren't afraid to be critical of what's going on on the field because I think fans want that, right? Like if you're a fan of, of the game and your team's playing terribly, you want the announcers to admit that, to say that. You don't want them to be like, well, down 12 to nothing, but they've got a chance here in the ninth. Like, yeah, you, how do you, don't, you don't want that. How do you feel about we? Uh, I think it's fine for TV, podcasters, radios, uh, those people to say we. They are like employed by I, the team, I guess. Yes. When people like you and I are saying we, I have a it, real problem with it that. Hits, it hits me a little bit wrong, you know, uh, and, and I, I guess I am going to be critical, but he's like probably like Hall of Fame level. So I think it's OK to be a little bit critical. Like Hawk Harrelson's sort of bit, you know, was very sort of homerous. I thought like there's very a lot of homerism and like it almost seemed like there was a fan in the in the in the, uh, you know, announcing the game, which I guess some people like. I mean, I know that there's a lot of people who love Hawk Harrelson. So it's like, yeah. you know, I know that there's people I, I personally would rather have. I, I sort of chew a little bit more to the analysis. I want analysis. I want sort of like a little bit more like, you know, level-headed analysis coming out of it uh, and the ability maybe sometimes to be critical of the team. Yeah. I, if I, Homerism you can get from like, you know, the, the team's, uh, the team's Twitter account, you know? Like, yeah. But fans watching still want the announcers to be rooting for that team, to be pulling for their team. Right. Otherwise, it doesn't have it has more negative. If you're more if you're straight neutral, I think it becomes people think it's a negative broadcast. So you have to still shade. It's true. Homer. I think Dave Sims, Dave Sims, I think, does a pretty good job of that. I mean, he's had some yes. pretty legendary calls where you feel like, you know, he's a fan that's super excited and he's he's like happy, you know, so you feel his happiness. But he can also, uh, you know, do some analysis and, and, and yes. stay and stay sort of keep his nose clean, in other words. But. Uh, yeah, yeah, I wanted to throw Dave Sims out there. As I have a lot of respect for him, but he's terrific. He's terrific. Dan Dickerson, another one with the Tigers, the radio call, Miguel Cabrera. Uh, go listen to it if you haven't already. It will give you chills. Watch the video of it. Uh, really, really, there's some really, really good radio people. I love walking my dog, listening to a baseball game on the radio. I don't care if that makes me 95 years old. Yeah, it's a, there was a really interesting move in Chicago where Len Casper used to uh, call the games on TV and then moved over to radio. Um, and I just was like, that seems crazy, but, uh, did talk to him about it. And he was kind of like, you know, uh, now if they make the world series and win, I get to do the call, you know, the TV announcers, they stop calling games in the postseason, but radio doesn't. And, uh, and he also just thought that he liked the cadence of, of radio calls and, uh, and, and just thought he would like to do that. So, um, you know, it is, it is, there's a big difference between the two. Are you struggling to close deals? B2B selling is tougher than ever, and that's why I want to tell you about LinkedIn Sales Navigator. One more great product from LinkedIn. You're there to network, you're there to look for jobs, you're there to post jobs, and how about LinkedIn Sales Navigator? It's a sales intelligence platform that helps professionals effectively prospect and engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator helps you target the right buyers, surface key signals such as job 
job changes or which accounts you should prioritize and shows you hidden allies so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash baseball show. That is linkedin.com slash baseball show for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash baseball show and get started. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Um, do we have a name for our uh, our winners of the week, our players of the week? We do, that would be a Derek question, but yeah. he's not here. Yeah, well, well, we do have an award. Uh, at some point, we may or may not send um, uh, packs uh, from their, what is it, their, the year they were born? Yes. Uh, baseball card packs to them. Mm-hmm. So uh, so let's not pick anybody uh, too old. <laughs> uh, but uh, I've got the uh, the leaderboard open for the hitters of the week this week. Um, and, um, uh, I, you know, by war, uh, the leaders were Manny Machado, um, you know, Jose Altuve, Cattell Marte are up there. Uh, but I put forth to you, uh, the two biggest ones, I think in terms of story, RBI home runs, just what they've done this week beyond sort of a war number. And the two numbers that I come up with are Manny Margot who yep. had a three homer, four stolen base, 11 RBI, 478 week. And Josh Naylor, uh, who hit 417 with three homers and 14 RBI, including that just crazy ass game where he hit a grand slam to tie it in the ninth. And then he also hit a, a, a go ahead homer in the 10th. So, or the 11th, I forget exactly. And, and, so I think it's it's really between those two, unless I unless I miss someone that you want to get some love. Yeah, I'm going to add one more to that. Um, I'm going to add Brewers first baseman Rowdy Telez. Yeah. Um, I mean, we love Rowdy eight, here. Eight RBIs versus the Reds on Wednesday. That's he right. Brewers, he set a Brewers franchise record. Um, it was. Oh, and he's, hit, not, he's not he's not in my numbers two yet. Runs. He's not yeah. in my numbers yet because uh, because they don't update immediately. That's funny. Uh, he drove in twelve. Him and Margot both both over the past week. I think I've drove driven in like twelve. 12 yeah, runs. Rowdy's had a couple big games this week. I think he had a two homer game earlier in the week. So uh, I'd add him. Uh, oh, he's such a fun guy too. Here's the thing about Machado. I think he's not getting enough attention for. I think we talked about this in previous pods, like the consistency. Yeah, I mean he got. he's been a he's been a finalist I think for Player of the Week a couple times. This might be it, his third time if we make him a finalist. So. I know. So he hasn't had like one huge week, but he's just been really good every week. And I think if we were voting tomorrow on MVP NL MVP, he'd be one of the finalists, if not the guy, right? Yeah, I um, think he's I think he's I think he's the the favorite for the for the MVP right now. But you know, when you're on a weekly, this is something we also struggle with when we're talking about this. Is like that the expectations versus you know like 
it's it's kind of cool when Manny Margot has a week like this, you know, and and, right. and Josh Naylor kind of just establishing himself and like putting himself out there. If, if Naylor had had some of the seasons that Manny Machado's had before, then we might not even vote for him. We'd just be like, well, yeah, Naylor had a good week, but Manny Margot, you know, Rowdy Telez, you know, the, yeah. we kind of had this like shiny new object thing that we're that you know we and everybody are guilty of, but at the same time. You know, Manny Machado is probably going to get season long hardware from like the big wigs, you know, like he's probably going to get like BBWAA hardware. He's going to be on the final list for that. And maybe somebody like Manny Margot or Josh Naylor is not going to get any hardware for their season, you know. So and and then I just look at that one standout performance where, you know, Rowdy, his came in a little bit more of a blowout. Manny uh, Margot did kind of keep his team in games, but uh, that Josh Naylor game. I mean, mm-hmm. to tie, like they were, it's the ninth inning and they needed four runs and you're like, oh, he's not going to hit a grand slam. Oh, he hit a grand slam. Yeah. And then his, the his celebration. Yeah, yes. his celebration was so good. Yes. If you haven't seen it yet, also Google that. Add this, you should be like making a list. I feel like we've told you a bunch of things yeah. you need to absolutely watch. Add the Josh Naylor's celebration. Google list. Uh, <laughs> you know, the stuff you got to see because hearing us talk about it doesn't isn't nearly as cool as watching it. Yeah, if only we so, were yes. a right shoulder. Yeah, then then you'd see like he's like he's like he's losing it. <laughs> he's yeah. like he is like on another planet. He's screaming. Yes. In fact, if you didn't know the context, you might you might think he was angry, <laughs> but he is just Correct. out there. So I think we are we in agreement. We're gonna we're giving it to Josh Mailer this week. Yes, we are. But if next week we're still talking about Manny Machado, I think we we gotta give him one. <laughs> That's right. If he keeps you know, being a finalist, we gotta give him one. You got to do it because it's like, you know, I know he's worried about winning a World Series and maybe the MVP, but, you know, I can assure you that he's going to be like, what do I have to do to be at the top of the 3-0 show? Like, how much more do I have to do to be named the player of the week from the 3-0 show? You know, so Manny, if you're listening, I'm sure you're listening. We have you in mind. And we've got the exact same, you know, the exact same situation over on the pitching side. Uh, I've got the leaderboard up from the 3rd of May to the 11th. And Carlos Rodon is number one. And I feel like we've already talked about him like two or three times as, as you know, being the pitcher of the week. You know? Yeah. And like, when are we setting this? Because how do we not give it to Detmers? Ah, uh, yeah. How do we not give it to the guy who has a no-no? Yeah, that's if crazy. If you can't make it after getting a no-no, are you ever going to? Are you ever that, gonna make more of That's this? crazy. You know, it's it, you know what's funny. You mentioned they only had the two strikeouts, right? Yes. His his war, including yesterday, so including the the no hitter, his war in the last week is sixteenth. And it, I think it's partially because war in Fangraphs is built on homers, strikeouts, and walks. Now he's limited the walks and the homers, but he didn't add a bunch of strikeouts. So his FIP for the week is 339. That's easily the highest of anybody in the top 14. Um, and so, you know, that's really kind of a, a problem of war, I would say. I, I You know, yeah. I love I, I use war. I love fan graphs. I just don't think an FIP based war captures, especially when you're trying to storytell like this. You know, it's not it's not really we shouldn't be sorting the leaderboard for war and just handing out to the top. But you know, it is kind of, it does ask you like, what should we be sorting for? You know? <laughs> yeah. It does take, it does kind of reinforce the idea that numbers help reinforce what we see sometimes. Right. Sometimes they can be a deal break, like a tiebreaker. 
Yeah. But sometimes, like in this example, I think war is also better used offensively. I think it's always struggled to kind of gauge yeah. pitching, pitcher value, right? More so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because there's these big, huge decisions you have to make. And every site has made the decision differently when it comes to the role of defense and pitching. So like, you know, Fangraphs did home runs, strikeouts and, and, and walks because they're saying those are the cleanest things that the, the fielders had nothing to do with. And that's what the pitchers have control over. So that's how we're going to judge them. And then when it comes to the ball in play, baseball reference and baseball perspectives have made totally different decisions about how to award the value of a ball in play to the pitcher and the fielder. So it's really complicated. But the one thing that war does do that makes it really hard. So let's say, okay, we got Reed Detmers. He pitched 13 innings in the last, in the last week, right? With a one nine eight ERA. That's awesome. Well, guess what? There are two guys ahead of him that have a zero ERA. Zach Wheeler pitched seven and two thirds innings with zero. Well, that's seven to two thirds. innings. That's not two starts. Well, Michael Kopech had two starts, 10 innings, zero ERA. So do we like that better? I don't think so. It's two starts of five innings where we have Detmer's pitched a whole nine. So yeah. it's, uh, you know, you're going to make, this is a funny thing about numbers is you're going to make a decision at some point and you're going to have to make a decision as a human being with the numbers in front of you. And you can't just let the numbers and you know, we're not, we're not awarding the war of the week, uh, you know, award and just giving it to Carlos Rodon. So I'm going to throw the finalists up as Rodon. Michael Kopech, those are two really awesome starts. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to throw a Carlos Carrasco on there, a one, two, three RA and two starts. Uh, and then Reed mm-hmm. Detmers has to go on there. So I think we give it to the young boy. Uh, boy, oof, I didn't mean that. I just, he's, he's, a, he's a kid. He's young. He's I agree. I, I think we give it to him as well. And you know what else was really cool was the entire Angels. Did you see this? The whole team stayed and watched his postgame interview. Nice. They were all in the dugout. Uh, another thing to add to your list of things to watch this week. Uh, yeah, there's a great photo of the whole team watching this guy in the dugout do his postgame interview. Just like it That's seems right. like the Angels are having a lot of fun. They're winning, which helps. Yeah, and, and really I think that fun. I think Otani is important to this because uh, he's you know as he's come into himself as a as a as a star in this league, he's letting people into his personality, which is very different than Mike Trout. Mike Trout is a little bit more like business. You know, he wants to win the game. He's paying really close attention to the game. And, you know, it's about the game. Whereas Otani like has these little moments where he like blow in a, in a player's ear or like, you know, uh, do a little weird dance in the in the in the dugout. He's got he's like he has some fun. And I think that helps lighten it up a little bit, um, you know, because you always look to your two position, like the two highest paid sort of the the two position player stars are usually the leaders of your their clubhouse and so having otani as a foil a little bit to the the, the trout veteran leader, leadership i think has been a good thing for that team but uh yeah reed detmer is also nice thing uh born in 1999 so the pack will be super cheap um and uh have some good players in it that we actually remember <laughs> so uh so good on all fronts there uh congratulations to reed detmer's and Josh Naylor uh, for Players of the Week. I think that's what we're calling it, but that's an awful, awful name, and we need to do better than that. We do. Uh, We've got to get sponsored by a beer company or something. Keep it really on right. brand. That's right, or something something to do with uh, 3-0 swing take. I don't know. But uh, that wraps it up for us uh, here at the 3-0 Show. Thanks for listening. Uh, thank you to you, Britt. Do you have anything to add here at the end? 
Uh, no, I was going to say, if you're going to be DVR, then I will deliver your traditional line at Ooh. the end here. Really throw everybody into disarray on their Thursday. All right. Well, a subscription to The Athletic is just $1 a month at uh, theathletic.com slash baseball show. Uh, and you can enjoy the Frank Lopez story, which is amazing, um, or any of our pieces there uh, once you subscribe. Uh, thanks, uh, thanks for listening. And that does it for us today. We'll be back with you next week. On the 3-0 show, you always have the green light. <laughs>